Ricardo. All right, everybody, welcome to a brand new edition of the Swift Kicks podcast. I'm Alex. With me are Steve and Ben, as always. Lots happened lately in the Premier League. I mean, since the last time we've talked, Man United have jumped right up to the top of the table, looking in pretty dominant form. Ben, I want to first off get your take on that. Do you have hope or do you have belief that Man United will carry this through and finally win a Premier League? You know, I'm trying not to look too far down the road. I'm trying to be a little more mindful. I feel like as football fans, we always want to look at the end of the season. I think I heard today that this is the first time that Man United have been first in the table this far into a season since Alex Ferguson was last in charge of the squad. So while truthfully, I don't believe we are going to be able to pull through and and win this league, I think the table is shaping up pretty competitively. It's, it is a breath of fresh air to see us at least in a position where we could control our own destiny. And it's just really, really nice to not have to worry about everyone else kind of, you know, losing their rag, if you will, as we, as we carry on through the, the crunch time. But again, going in, in mid January now, first place currently is a, is a great feeling with a huge game coming up against Liverpool. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's ever been a Man U Liverpool game that I can think of that's had more, more on the line. So it's super exciting to see Man United be relevant again. I'm sure for many people, it's uh, not necessarily the case. I will say before getting uh, Steve's kind of take on it, I do think the, the COVID rules of this year have played in Manchester United's favor. But I also think it's worth recognizing that Man City unbeaten in 11 have two games in hand, which will put them right on the heels of Man United if they keep their current form and Man City do look really good right now. So I think it's probably a little too good to be true, but we're winning every game. That's all you got to do. It's ours to lose. So let's see what happens. Steve, what do you think? Yeah, Man United being top of the table, not and I would say dominant form, but it doesn't really matter if you're in dominant form. If you're top of the league, you're top of the league. So that's something to be said. I do think with the business half of the season coming up here, I think it's going to be really interesting just because teams are not performing or don't seem to be firing in all cylinders. Uh, there's no clear, uh, they're running away with it or, oh, they're you know, a real force to be reckoned with. I mean, people thought that about Liverpool. People thought that about City. Uh, and, and Liverpool have been looking a little bit shaky. Some cracks are showing. City, like you said, have been on a bit of a run, but they are still sixth right now. The top of the table is the top 10 is still quite tight. So it's really any, I mean, it's not anyone's, but I mean, it's, you know, you can jump up quite a few places with a win or two. Like you said, uh, with United, uh, they are in the driver's seat, uh, not by much, but they are. And it'll be interesting, like you said, with a controlling their own destiny, where they choose to take that. Yeah. And Steve, I know last episode you were talking about how, you know, sort of the top 10, when I think at that point was separated by maybe 11, 12 points, right? I mean, right now, 10 points separate first and 10th place. Man City, you know, two games in hand, potentially if they win both those games and things went their way, you know, they're really only a point behind Man United right now. I guess what I'll ask you guys now too is Liverpool. I mean, they've had a little bit of a break here. Uh, they played a couple like League Cup games and everything like that over these past couple of days. But are they going to be raring to go looking to defend their title. How much is that an, an important factor in this game that's coming up against Man United? I think United are in a position to play for a draw. Whoa. Is it at Old Trafford or is it Anfield? 
It's at Anfield. Yeah, and I think playing away at Anfield, Anfield's one of the harder stadiums to travel to. Regardless, there are no fans, right? So, like, yeah. if, if fans are not present, maybe that goes away. One of the interesting things that this season has brought about is all of the replays. So one thing working in Liverpool's uh, favor right now is today's game uh, was a makeup uh, of a game that was suspended earlier in the year. And as a result, United are playing that extra game this week and they threw their kitchen sink at them. You know, they played the best squad I think they have. They started all their starters. They didn't really rotate anyone out. They played for three points. And then as a result of that, I think they're able to be a little more strategic. I think it will bite them playing for a draw, but I see United trying to walk away with one point and as a result, uh, giving up something cheeky, either late in the game or early and just trying to chase it the whole time. But I do think we will see Man U kind of uh, positioned you know, having played two games or three games really in close concession where Liverpool kind of had a week off, I think it's going to be uh, tough for United to kind of really come out on top. And I think Liverpool are underrated at second place. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> they're dealing with a lot of injuries at the back. I think United's defense is too weak uh, to compete with Liverpool when they're in form. I have heard rumors that there's issues in the locker room there. You know, we, we've heard rumors that Salah might be on his way out. We've heard other players are, are saying things along the lines like, you know, he's tough to work for. Um, Lewandowski, actually, a previous manager or player for uh, Klopp, is saying that, you know, he, he didn't bring the best out of players. He made the team work for them, which is an interesting concept. It, it, it does stifle uh, creativity at times, which players don't necessarily like. But I think, you know, he gets results. So I don't think Jurgen Klopp is actually going to be as concerned with this game as we might be. He wants to win every game the same. I think, again, he's probably looking across the table and thinking Man City are in the mix too, and his job is to just keep them relevant. Both teams really do well with the draw. Yeah, Steve, uh, you know, Paul Pogba was the one that really scored the goal uh, that that put Man United top, you know, pretty nice volley for anybody that saw it. But how much of a factor Reflection, is but he? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> true. How no, much of a factor? Hey, hey, all you want, Steve. They all count the same. They all count the <laughs> three same. Three points is three points, right? At some point, United are getting unlucky with like 14 shots on goal, yep. right? Like we, we quickly yeah. forget that. You got to have luck fall your way sometimes. I agree. I agree. Yeah, I mean, how important is he though? I mean, he's, you know, the one saying that, you know, the team now needs to focus until the end. We've Ben and I, uh, for the longest time, we talked about how Paul Pogba, and you've even had conversations with us about how Pogba, you know, maybe isn't the most influential or positive member of the locker room for Man United. Um, but right now it's really looking like he's trying to stand out as a leader. You know, is it, I don't know, the glory that he's looking for? Is it something that's really gotten into him that now he's like, this will be the person that a lot of the younger players, especially on Man United, look towards as a World Cup winner? Paul Pogba scores a goal, has a couple of games of decent form, and then everyone just starts ranting and raving about Paul Pogba because he's Paul Pogba. Mm. In your initial question, how important is he? I still rate Bruno, Bruno Fernandez more important because that guy has been the epitome of consistency when it comes to performing. I mean, that guy, I think what? He's won player of the, of the month four times in a calendar year. I mean, he, he is the most consistent performer for Manchester United. And I think Paul Pogba gets especially overhyped in times when he has a couple of strings of games. Good, 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 good games are, are sweet. They're awesome. Excellent. Everyone likes to talk about good games, but this real telling signs of a good player are 
not what can you do, but can you do it consistently? And I don't think Paul Pogba does that. So I rate Bruno Fernandes as being more important in being that figure, that, that, that role model that you mentioned more so than Pogba. Fernandez has 11 goals and seven assists in 17 appearances. Yeah. Like I, I agree with you that he is really that pivotal piece for Man United. I will say the thing with Pogba, and this is where the appeal is, when Pogba is on, there are just things he can do with the ball that are magical. And I, I and he why. is on. Correct. But the thing is, is this season he came off of COVID and an injury. And has been getting back into form. Is he finding his form? That's the real question. Is he in form off of COVID and an injury? And if so, how long can it last? And I think if if it's because Man United are winning, it speaks to the negative mentality that he carries with himself of like, I need to be on the best squad there is. I think he is that good. But I think the, the problem is his motivation and drive, right? It's not so much his talent or skill. I think it's strictly... He doesn't want it. He doesn't go and get it. And let's be real, COVID, we don't know really how that affects athletes. Um, we're, we're still learning as we go there. And then the injury he had as well, you got to cut him some slack. Since he's been back, he's done nothing but perform. And I think the, the that's where all the hype is coming from. And at the same time, it's hard to knock him when he's sitting on top of the Premier League. And it, the goal today, yes, there was a deflection, a little bit of luck. He chicken-winged it from outside the 18. It was pretty. Yeah. Loved it. <laughs> I mean, you have Ali Gunnar Solskjaer saying that, you know, he's playing at his best right now. So he definitely sees something in him and, and maybe it is a little bit of hype, but I think for me, uh, just somebody that has the understanding of what it takes to win uh, is never going to be a negative in a locker room. And I think that there are a lot of young players in that Manchester United team who are all of a sudden maybe finding themselves at the top of the Premier League that they maybe at the beginning of the season didn't expect themselves to be there. And now they're looking for somebody to just give them a little bit of a guiding light. And if you're a Manchester United fan, I think that you hope that Paul Pogba can be that person and allow your creative minds and your informed strikers like Fernandez to sort of excel and go off and do their thing. You know, you need somebody that's going to be the rock in the middle of that team. And I think for the longest time, you know, Ben can tell me otherwise, but I don't think that Manchester United have had that nucleus of a player that the whole team can build around. Yeah. I guess ultimately what it comes down to for me is, is, is who would I choose to put into my side? And you, Ben, you said that when Paul Pogba is on, he does things that, you know, that, that next to no one can do. I would rather, or I value what Bruno Fernandez does every game versus what Paul Pogba can do sometimes every fifth sixth tenth game I, I i i rate that more than even those special things that pogba can do because that's consistent and that gets more results it's it's, it's in the numbers I, I guess that's well ultimately what it comes down to for me yeah i think one thing i like to share with young players that i've had the opportunity to coach is there's a lot of players and none of them are let me get this right to any of you listening that did play for me none of you compared to paul pogba let's just get that out, <laughs> out of the way right now but like when we look at at a Paul Pogba, there's there's a lot of players that have a ton of talent and a ton of um, gifts, right? Like they've got something they're really good at and they're really talented at it. And they hit a point where they don't need to work anymore because they're good enough to get by where they're at. 
Mm-hmm. And when you do that, you coast and you become irrelevant. But the problem is with Pogba is he's such an expensive ticket. You know what I mean? Like we expect so much from him. If we were to just look at his uh, stats this season, he is in, you know, decent form. He's sitting on, you know, 14 appearances with two goals, eight wins and three losses. So he's not like you're saying, Steve, he's not that like stellar player that we really should be commending. It is Bruno Fernandez. But the thing is, is that I think what I'm trying to say is when you look at a well-rounded player, we all too often with athletes in general, take their raw talent and their physical talent and, and say they're the best player in the world. And I think the same about Neymar and we lack the mental component. When it, when you look at a footballer, there's a mental, a physical, a tactical, and a technical component. The mental component of Paul Pogba is really holding him back and hindering him from being considered a great in my eyes. And I think I'm agreeing with what you're saying, Steve, but those other three components, yeah. the tactical, technical, and physical components are unreal. And I think that's where uh, it really gets interesting with Pogba. You know, shifting shifting teams a little bit, one player that I'm particularly keen to see play play out the rest of the season, I think is going to help out Everton, is Iobi. I Iobi, I always say his name wrong, but he plays for Everton. Alex Iobi? Yep. He's just broken his uh, goal drought. It looks like he's coming into form. And, you know, in seeing him play, it looks like he could be something special. And Everton are positioned in a way that could make him – you know, the talk of the table if they keep it up, right? And especially with the way this year's going. Yeah, I think Iwobi came from over from Arsenal. And I think since then he's, he's, he's struggled a little bit. Um, but it, it, I mean, Twitter talk is Twitter talk. But uh, a lot of the, the Everton fans that I saw, they were really talking him up. You know, he's, he's putting in a couple of good string of performances for the team right now. And I think that that's, as Ben said, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's proving to be a positive for Everton and they're, you know, potentially playing a little bit of an upset. I mean, you, you always sort of expect Everton to probably be top 10 at least, um, but creeping up there in the top four is a great place to be. Um, and like I said, I, I saw a lot of fans, you know, saying like a Wobi is uh, sort of like redeemed himself and everything like that. Um, I'll tell you one person who's in trouble is Frank Lampard. You know, Chelsea sitting down there in, in ninth. Uh, what does he have? Four defeats in like seven matches or something. We've had this conversation about Mikel Arteta. We've had it, uh, I think, about Ali Gunnar Solskjaer at one point. Mm-hmm. Uh, but these player managers, you know, do they do they just hit a, a point where people maybe have figured out mm-hmm. sort of what they're all about? You know, what do you think, Steve? I think it's just the in thing right now is, is just having player managers. I think I mentioned that in a previous episode. Don't remember which one, but it just seems that's to be the trend the fad that's going on when things uh, aren't going according to plan and we need a new manager, a new breath of fresh air. What do we do? We bring in the, we bring in the ex player who's got little to no experience um, or has been coaching like, you know, youth sides or whatever, but uh, tying it back to Frank, I am by no means a Chelsea fan. I Chelsea's probably one of my least favorite teams. Uh, if not my least favorite team uh, next to Rangers. Uh, but I would like to, the, the romantic in me would like to see Frank Lampard have success. Um, I always valued him as a player. I always thought he was a good player, wore his heart on his sleeve. Um, and to see him uh, get his success would be nice, especially after have, seeing him work up from Derby County and not just being granted a role, albeit it's a very big role. It's a very big step from Derby to Chelsea, but he did have a bit of experience and success at Derby that merited uh, some could say that role that moved to Chelsea, but it's difficult to put your oh, 
Frank could say the same thing. It's difficult to put your finger on what's going wrong there. I don't know if it's dressing room problems. You haven't really heard much about bust-ups or uh, bad personalities, but it's just not – whatever they're doing is just not translating to the pitch, and it's not it's not getting them to the numbers. I mean, Christian Pulisic and, and Zayek and, 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 and Kai Havertz and Timo Werner and Bill – uh, ben Chilwell, all these all these new signings that were supposed to be the new thing for for Chelsea. I don't. Do you guys? I mean, what do you guys think is going wrong? Uh, it's difficult for me to say. I think there's a little bit of boardroom pressure. I don't know if you believe the uh, the British tabloids, but apparently Abramovich is thinking about bringing Avram Grant back. Ben, good lord, uh, is that a is that a good idea? Do you think, or what's your thought? I think you're seeing a weird dynamic with Chelsea right now. I will say Chelsea's strength of schedule these last this last month is not that everyone hasn't had a huge you know amount of games in a short amount of time. The volume has been unreal, but it, it is pretty tough. If you look at their their uh, track run, they're in Europe still, so mm. they are still playing overseas. They're having to travel. They just faced Man City. An informed villa. Jack Grealish is unreal. Mm-hmm. Like he's so fun to watch. He's one of those players whose stats are up there as well. Arsenal, who were coming off of kind of a weird lull, who you'd still think were a good good squad. They hammered West Ham and then they struggled against Wolves. So I think it's just been a matter of them having a real tough schedule. Like maybe, right? And that's part yeah, of it. And maybe. then you're, you're as a manager, you're going from managing just just your uh, local tournaments in your local league in Derby County <clears throat> to having to figure out how to manage being in Europe with the COVID protocols whilst traveling with a bunch of games on top of each other. United doesn't, United has that luxury. They're out of Europe, you know, yeah, they, but they, they faltered. Every Premier League team has the same schedule. Eventually every team has to play. Correct. Everybody. But that's in like a two week span. They played yeah. all of the top four teams except for Man United and Liverpool. Yeah. Yeah. So they paid two of the top four teams. <laughs> right. But if you're, if you're at Chelsea, you know, you, this is not, you know, Fulham, West Brom, whatever. This is foreign. Yeah. This, yeah. Is, this is not, you know, a team that just is expecting to survive or is looking for a, a mid table kind of finish. This is Chelsea. You know, they have yeah. billions of dollars backing them. If it means anything, I do think Frank should have more time, though. I, oh, yeah. if, I think I think calls for uh, a change in personnel, uh, I think, is, is much too early. Hmm. Um, but I have heard, I mean, they are starting to they are starting to surface some of those calls for uh, a change. Uh, I've not heard of any solid leads on who might that change be that Avram Grant was the very first I've heard of that one. Um, I don't but, see our Russian friend putting up with it. He's used to winning. Yeah. Like Abramovich, like he, he expects to win, expects the most of, them. and and to be frank, Frank, you're a bit of a spooner. Let's go <laughs> to that route, right? Frankie Lampard, once a spooner, always a spooner. I don't know. As a United fan, I can barely deal with Liverpool winning games. I can't stand to see Chelsea up there. Yeah. That's a, a real United fan for you. Another another manager, probably hopefully on the hot seat, uh, Steve Bruce at Newcastle, uh, just allowed Sheffield United to uh, get their first win in the Premier League. Uh, Billy Sharp getting his 100th Premier League goal for the Blades. Uh, first win of the Premier League season. Had to be Newcastle. Had to be Newcastle, boys. I'm I only think. laughing because I can hear it in your voice. Yeah, I, it's, <laughs> it's resignation. I think we're, uh, Dude. we're in for a battle. 
coming towards you played the a end five of the four one against yeah. the worst team in the league. Yeah, we've been playing you five in the back. Invited them into your house and said, "Hey, don't touch anything." Yep. Like it was so <laughs> bad. Yep. Like a five four one yeah. is what you do against Arsenal when you're two one up. Yeah, right. Like, yeah. how do you put a squad out so bad than that? I think Bruce is on his way out. I think he's tanking for Taylor. There's an American reference for you. The, I do think, Alex, you guys are so bad. Like, I don't know what else to say. It's not Newcastle even us. Just it's, struggle. It's, the, it's the management. I mean, like you said, five in the back. I mean, you don't play five in the back unless you're playing, frankly, Man U or Liverpool. Uh, you know, you're just hoping to sort of walk away from that one and, you know, put up a good showing for the fans and everything like that. But I mean, to to basically have the tactic of allowing Sheffield United to play their way into form is uh, pretty intriguing. Um, and over the past couple of weeks, you know, we've had some pretty stunning losses that just don't make any sense. Uh, and, you know, Steve Bruce comes out and talks to the press and he goes, oh, we gave it a good go. Uh, it, you know, it was, it was hard going down to does. 10 men. Uh, we're a work in progress and uh, we'll be back at it again next match. And, you know, it's just tiring after a while to hear the exact same thing over and over again. Like, okay, we went down to 10 men, uh, basically a halftime, but so it's, it's Sheffield United. Like you should be able to figure out your formation. You should have people on the bench that, you know, you can pull from and change your tactics and go from there. But Bruce has absolutely no idea what he's doing in my mind. And I think in many minds of many Newcastle fans. So here we are in 15th place, having not won a game in about five matches. Solid. I think Steve Bruce has a, a bet that he can last 20 games without getting fired. <laughs> like what else would you be doing? Yeah. He says he's still up like, for the challenge. And I'm like, you know, brother challenge is like, was what, <laughs> at the beginning what are of the you season. talking about Prove it. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like you want to see some, some fire, but, the worst is Sheffield United have played a 3 5 2 mm-hmm. for 18 games and it's worked once. And it was in the 18th game. Like, yep. it's not a, a great side. Sheffield have been really, really struggling. And yep. it's not like they've been like in games. So, like, for Newcastle to not even walk away with a point was just, yep. that's right. I almost felt bad for saying, should we talk about it tonight? No. But, uh, Sorry, Alex. The two I just and imagine Chris Wilder like just adamant on the three five two, and then he gets result. I told you, I yeah. told you it would work. He's <laughs> calling his dad on the way home, and he's like, "Dad, you told me to stick with it, and I did." Like, no, yeah, Chris. but you've lost all those other games. No, 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 no. Yeah, shut your I told mouth. You would work. He'll <laughs> change son. it next week. <laughs> yeah, it'll yeah. be four four two. <laughs> yeah, back at it. Uh, Steve, yep. let's go a little further north. How about your boy Celtic? What's happening? We have to. Yeah. <laughs> Get rid of my sadness. I'll put it on. Yeah. You. <laughs> um, well, uh, Celtic, uh, the boys have, have, have drawn against Hibs. Um, and with three games still uh, in hand, Rangers have, have won the league. So give them the trophy. Let's have the ceremony while there's still no fans in the stands <laughs> let the, let them have that trophy in an empty stadium because uh it's rangers are now at 65 points celtic at 44 points um and even with that question of the three games in hand it's 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 just not looking it's just not looking like it i honestly wonder how much toxic toxicity uh from the fans permeates through to the squad cuz they have to see they have to see what the fans say on a daily basis, at least get like a hint uh, of it. 
Uh, Chelsea just came back from uh, right after Old Firm, in which we lost, uh, had a training camp in Dubai, kind of freshen things up. Players all in uh, sleeveless training tops, you know, getting this, getting uh, soaking in the sun, just kind of like a little vacation, but still training and all that. Uh, the 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 theme of the camp is you know putting in good work. The players are still working hard. Going to come back refreshed and refueled, ready for the second half of the season, the business half. And we come back and we tie Hibs, and just it's just if you look at the comments section of any post on their social on their socials, it's just everyone just calling for Lennon. Everyone just calling for Lennon in the most foul language possible. <laughs> and you have to you have to wonder as a Celtic fan what what's what's next. Do you do you replace Lennon now, knowing that ten in a row is is lost? To have more time to rebuild for next season, do you let them see it out for the rest of this season? I'm not entirely sure myself, but uh, Rangers have won it. Yeah. You heard it here. Well, you didn't hear it here first because I'm sure you heard it anywhere else. But uh, <laughs> no, you heard it. I've heard of it. I've, yeah, <laughs> I have. I have now given into the the, the eminent fact that they, I mean, they've won it. I'm just saying, Celtic have 15 people. Out on COVID protocols. Neil Lennon's one of them. John Kennedy's another, and thirteen first team players are among them. I guess I don't know the contingencies of those protocols because I feel like a lot of them are still training and 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 whatnot. I don't think that's what happened. Is they were still training together, and uh, what's his name, Christopher Julian, tested Mm -hmm. positive Mm -hmm. after their training camp in Dubai, which makes no sense to me. Yeah, and then they, yeah, I agree. You know, they went on a team holiday. I mean, if that doesn't say, hey, we've given up on the Scottish Premier League, it's yeah. going to take you two weeks to acclimatize back to the Scottish weather. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, that doesn't make sense. They've thrown the towel in already. Yeah, I've definitely is, seen that take from a lot of fans online as well. Right. And you, you'd mentioned, you know, do, you, do they hear the, the, the noise is what we'll call mm-hmm. it, right? Like the, the noise around. Just because the fans are there doesn't mean you don't hear the booing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, Hundred percent, man. Like yeah, it's hard not to. Sure. We live in a day and age where we can literally get into someone's phone and tell them they suck with a <laughs> just ask Taylor Twelman. Um, we we continue to just see that go on. It is different, right? Like there's a different sense of letting that down. I think young players that are coming up through the squad that are maybe making their first team appearances for the first time mm-hmm. are really missing that. Um, but that's I don't yeah. think you let Neil Lennon go yet, right? How long has he been with the team? He's been with the team since Brendan Rodgers left uh, middle of the season for Leicester City. He left Celtic in 2019. He left in the second half of the season of 18-19 season. Is is the difference, and I mean this like generally not trying to poke fun at the Scottish Premier League, but is the difference you got a second team? in the mix now and that changes how you play you saying with the presence of rangers yeah yeah i mean that definitely has to have some sort of effect as to how drastic the effect it's difficult to gauge but i mean celtic no there's a presence from the eternal rivals and they're a force to be reckoned with this year you know new man not new manager but a manager who's coming into his own you have some players that are really firing in all cylinders. Uh, the noise, the public noise. I mean, just just rumors and what everyone's saying. Um, I, that definitely has to take into effect into the psyche of of the players. And I think 
ultimately, yeah, maybe that does play into the tactics of some as well, uh, of, of, of Neil Lennon. Well, so I guess frustrating to me is just the fact that Celtic keep Celtic don't seem to have a sense of direction with Brendan Rodgers. It, it, it did with Brendan Rodgers. That was a, a massive signal of intent of going for everything of, mm-hmm. of development. Not, no, not necessarily for then and that the rest of that season, but also for the foreseeable future. That was a direction in which they had foresight. They were looking down the road versus what was right in front of them in terms of where they wanted to be as a club and what their aspirations were. When Brendan Rodgers left, and we bring in Neil Lennon, Neil Lennon is, yes, a player who has won many things with Celtic, and he has also been a manager with Celtic, but that's just the thing. Going back to what ultimately didn't work, what does that show as a signal of intent? It shows that they have a lack of direction. They don't know where to go. They don't know what to do, so they just go back to something that they're used to. It doesn't make sense. It's not a healthy relationship. It's not a it's not a healthy way of doing business in terms of a club. Are you asking me what my what my solution to the problem is? I would say, I, you know, you gotta spend money. Yeah, you have to spend money. But and then with COVID financial restrictions, it's difficult to see if Neil Lennon does go. Who on earth would we even get? That would be a signal of intent that any Celtic fan could see. The board's back in this. The board's going for it. Like this is we're doing it. I wish Celtic and Rangers, I wish the whole Scottish Premier League could compete in the FA Cup. The Scottish FA, but yeah, I know what you mean. Right? I, I don't want to merge the leagues. I don't want to get ousted by the entire country of Scotland. We want our acquisition of uh, Albion and Rovers to go smoothly, so please don't throw us out before we get there. But I do th- I do think it would be an element of uh, bring a spark to the Scottish Premier League, right? Like that might bring some money into the league. You might get some more uh, – high caliber players if there were more tournaments that we can get some fans in the stadiums but yeah i i I get what you're saying for sure Uh, anything to generate revenue streams is uh would be sweet but i think the scottish fa and the english fa i don't know if that bridge would ever get crossed right yeah you know the i mean wales does it right (laughs) yeah i guess that's that's a good point that's a good point and then you know we could get into the the whole looking looking at if the England should have its own team versus the UK team like we see in the Olympics and what that could bring to it. I don't want to see that personally, but I think it's just interesting that kind of dynamic in that conversation, right? But I, I do wish that the Scottish Premier League's teams were able to compete and eligible to compete in the FA Cup, English yeah. FA Cup. Sorry. Yeah, Ben, I know you uh, what probably two episodes ago you were talking about how. You know, you tell people if they go over to, to England uh, and they're really looking to, you know, go see a match and, you know, they're thinking, oh, I'll go see Arsenal, whatever. Usually it's it's probably easier because it's in London where most people go. But, you know, go check out one of your lower league teams and just see what real English football is all about. You know, the FA Cup for whatever, you know, modern advancements we have in everything that goes on. The FA Cup is something that just stays pretty true to heart. You know, it is the the league the cup that uh, everybody gets a chance at that's in the football league around england no matter what league you're in uh, so for example what we had marine fc they're 161 places behind tottenham in the league uh, and they got to play each other um, so i mean we won't go through you know every single one of these you know it's only the fourth round of the fa cup but this is where you get some of these interesting ties start to play out Marine lost 5-0 to Tottenham, but it was just so funny to see, you know, images 
uh, some of these, you know, multi-million dollar <laughs> players, Jose Mourinho, stuff like that. Just, you know, Gareth Bale on. just sitting in these cinder block looking. <laughs> yeah. Just exactly. tiny chairs, just below surface level, just kind of in this dark, yeah. wet, just hut of a, of a dugout. Yeah. Like He's lucky places he didn't get are, robbed. <laughs> <right>? <laughs> places that are worse than like your average high school bench, you know? <laughs> yeah. This so. field was literally in a neighborhood with fencing around it so it didn't smash the windows. Right. People are just hanging out their front window watching Tottenham play. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. The pictures on social media of that match, just seeing these multi-million dollar players in a pitch like this with like just the little like half painted bill or like the paint peeling billboards in the back, like on like the, yep. the perimeter walls is just, it's uh it's a treat. <laughs> yeah. Ben, have you ever played in the, uh, the FA cup? I think we all have at some level, Alex. <laughs> I, mean, I played FIFA in our hearts. <laughs> I think it's, uh, it's the, it's the most amazing tournament, right? Like that's how so many players have been discovered. Was Vardy discovered that way? Either way, I believe Vardy was discovered that way. I mean, Pretty Danny Welbeck Any was. team in England qualifies for the FA Cup, right? Like if you pay into the FA, you qualify into the FA Cup, and you can go and play, and it's luck of the draw who you go and play against. For most teams, you go and get a draw against, like, I don't know, a really bad team and think you got it, and you show up to this team you never heard of, and they smoke you like 7-0. Mm-hmm. Like that's, that's the reality of it. But I, I think it – it just shows there's still this grassroots element to the game in the UK and in England with the FA cup that on any given, any given Sunday, right. That you can Mm. play against pretty much anyone and you get your shot. I like that the U S is trying to, trying to do it. Um, I can't remember the name of the, the, the tournament, uh, Steve U S open cup, U S open cup. Mm -hmm. It's it's, they're trying to get the same sort of uh, system going where they play across all levels. And I think it does help with some of those younger players to have an alternative route other than college soccer in the States to get a shot. And I think it's important because there's people that don't have access to college and there's people that don't have access to sports in the same way that like these money-making academies provide for kids. And it's, it's a shame. Mm-hmm. So something like the FA cup gives those kids that opportunity that may have gotten missed to get called up. Alex, did you, did you find anything out on any players that have been pulled up through the FA cup? Uh, no, just that Danny Welbeck has scored eight goals in his career in the FA Cup. Just want to throw that out there. You said his name wrong. Um, it's pronounced Danny World Class Welbeck. <laughs> That's absolutely right. My apologies to Mr. Welbeck. <laughs> it's see, it's strange. There was it seemed to be seemed maybe this this could have been completely my experience with it. But growing up, there definitely was the appeal of the FA Cup. I mean, it was it was highly regarded, it, almost like. In like in the early 2000s, mid 2000s, going into the late 2000s, uh, it seemed, you know, that the FA Cup was held with a very high prestige. But going into the second, uh, into the 2010s, it seemed that the the shine or the the, the focus, the, the spotlights on the FA Cup seemed to kind of fade away, it, it seemed a little bit. People don't really regard the FA Cup, it seemed like as much as they used to. Uh, you don't really get full strength teams as much in, in the FA Cup. People don't really go in for it. They're just kind of like, yeah, we're in it. We'll field a team. We'll play. But like, you know, the focus is the Premier League. It seems like perhaps a little bit it, it is beginning to shift back to the old ways, but it, you hear the older players in interviews, um, you know, like Alan Shearer, like Ray Parlers, and like, you know, keep going back and back. 
you know, just what the FA Cup, you can hear, you can see that the sparkle in their eye when they talk about the FA Cup and like what it used to mean. And you don't really get that with players now. And yeah. I just don't, don't know where that lost, where that, where that was lost. Yeah. I think part of it, you know, for me at least is I know they've always had the league cup since like the sixties or whatever, but they've turned it into sure. the Carabo cup now and everything. And it's yeah. like, yeah, I think a lot of, out. a lot of new fans that came into it too, you know, they don't quite get the, the sort of the magic of what the FA cup is because yeah. there's so many other like, you know, advertised Perhaps, yeah. and, you know, stuff just pushed forward in your face, you know, champions league, Europa league, all this kind of stuff, yeah. you know, and it's, it's a little bit, uh, probably you know the curse of, of of making the premier league what it has become such a international league you know following across the world people don't quite get the intricacies of or maybe don't they have to be explained you know the the mm-hmm. sort of the magic behind the cup and everything but once they find it they love it you know but yeah. it's just uh getting that out there to a sort of a broader mass of people and because of that, I think, as you said, Steve, you know, it comes down and trickles down into the teams, you know, they're playing in so many different cups. They've got to have so many different teams that can right. play on Sunday, on Wednesday, on Friday, right. you know, and move forward from there. But it's so. not like that wasn't the case back then, too. I mean, they still had sure. these tournaments, these different these different tournaments that they were playing in. Hmm. I I think part of it, too, is is attention, attention follows the money. And yeah. with all the money going into the Prem, that's, you know, that's. That's the most widely televised league. That's it's been hyped up for the past two decades as being, you know, the most prominent league in the world. And, and everyone wants to tune into it. And I think with all of those different spotlights coming from everywhere, focusing on the prem, you have less now on things like the FA cup and stuff. And those start to the effect of what I previously just said starts to happen. Yeah. So Ben, how excited are you, though? Uh, let's let's bring it sort of a little bit back to the Premier League. So Man United drew Liverpool uh, in the fourth round of the FA oh, Cup. Oh, yeah, they're I did see play, that. Yeah. They're going to play them basically Loaded. back fixed. to back. You want to talk about money? That's a fixed draw. <laughs> <laughs> he, had the, he had the numbers up his sleeves. Wasn't that I'm Peter Crouch that like, making there. the draw? <laughs> yeah, he's in deep. He's in high water, too, because yeah. at home, apparently, that's a bit of a rift between Some him and his sleeves. family. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know what long sleeves mean. <laughs> well done, Steve. Welcome to the show. Um, that's great. That's made my day. Oh, no, man. I think that's that's awesome, right? Like, you get to feel them out in a one-all draw this Sunday, followed by a, a knockout game that'll probably put some bums in seats. Hopefully, people are back in the stadium. Um, I do think – the FA Cup, like you guys were saying, brings this energy to the league. And I don't think you have the Premier League as successful without the FA Cup. Just no. throwing that out there. I think the FA Cup makes it special. I do think that they've tried throwing money at those other tournaments, like the Careless Cup, the Caribou Cup. Like that's changed sponsorship over the last, like, what, five years, like six or seven times, Carib- right? Caribou Cup. Right. But like, it's, it's a joke. Like they, they, they've tried to sell out certain tournaments. It doesn't do it. The FA Cup has that buzz about it that the, just brings an energy that keeps it relevant. And I don't see the FA selling it out either, right? They'll sell the marketing rights to it, but they're not going to rename it, which is probably going to be the last time. I bet you like in, you know, a year we're retracting that statement because they've sold out, but uh, <laughs> I think it's good. But yeah, United against Liverpool in the FA Cup, that seems too good to be true. Um, <laughs> to say the least. So let's 
Let's move on to our, our trash takes of the week. Let's go back to the Premier League, see, <laughs> see who we think is going to win, who's going to be the upset of the week. Uh, and then, Ben, I know Yo. you, got a, you got a pretty good where are they now in store for us. So we'll get to that in a little bit here. Do but, we want to uh, take a moment to talk about transfers? Yeah, absolutely. Sorry, tis the season. What's wrong with you? Yeah, man? tis tis the season. I bet to you be, don't drink eggnog on Christmas sold. either. Wrench. Yeah. <laughs> All right, now so, for pure gossip. Go ahead. Have ben. you seen? Well, no, there's some some facts in there too. Like Man United have signed this young kid um, from Atlanta, and there's already the pressure of the entire world on him, comparing him to Re- the second coming of Ronaldo Dia- uh, Diala. <laughs> and I think he's. I think uh, United are are going to be in. I, I'm really upset that they're comparing this kid to, to Ronaldo just because he's he's 18 years old and performing really well right now. Like, yeah, you got to be good to get signed by United, but how can you compare him to United? It's a Cristiano Ronaldo. Yeah. Like, that's such a scary thing to do. <laughs> I mean, they signed him for what? Some reports say 37 million pounds. Like, for an 18 year old, I mean, if there's not it's pressure, like on you, like, it's like they want him. It's like they want you to fail. Yeah. Man, this kid's going to be <laughs> I know. Ronaldo. The kid's like, what am I? What am I supposed to do with that? What do you, what do you mean? <laughs> if he works out, though, you know, Solskjaer's a genius, right? So, like, <laughs> the real pressure is on Solskjaer on that one. I did see, though, getting into the gossip and, and starting the, the rumor mill, that uh, as of today, updated three hours ago, Sergio Ramos to Man United on a two-year deal. Uh-huh. That, to me, solves Man United's problem and makes Man United title contenders. Uh, I don't know if that – I mean, you said three hours ago, so that's newer than any information I've seen. But I thought contract talks with Sergio Ramos and having an extension at Real Madrid were pretty well pretty well in advance talks there. But maybe something's recent developments happen. Well, there. I mean, there is talk about uh, Real Madrid looking to offload at least six players by the summer, mostly in the summer, to basically clear the way for Mbappe. So maybe they're looking to do whatever little deal they can, one or two players to offload in the winter and then make a lot of, lot of noise in the summer. I, d- I do think Real needs to, I mean, just to quickly blurb about Real, I think that they are uh, putting off the transition phase as far as possible. I mean, they have so many players that they are just reluctant to let go of. Luka Modric and Sergio Ramos and Karim Benzema. I, I, well, I'm curious as to the average age of the starting 11 for Real Madrid because it's got to be 30 or above. Tony Cruz is 31. Luka Modric is 35. Ramos is 35. Benzema is 32 or 33. I mean, the list goes on. Anyway, um, going back to the transfer rumors with the Prem, Diego Costa making a return to the Prem? Yeah? No? Where to? Mm, Brighton. I'll see. No. Newcastle. (laughs) Newcastle, absolutely. (laughs) Sheffield United. He does really well in the 3-5-2. It's really dominant. I saw we were linked to Deli Ali for like two minutes. What? That was about it. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen uh, Lingard Reno's going talking about bringing Newcastle. That's Lingard? not me making that up. I've seen Lingard go, uh, reports of Lingard going to Newcastle. I mean, frankly, anybody at this point would be an improvement, but really, I'm not even looking for players. I'm looking for a new manager. Anybody. You guys need Wayne yeah, that's Rudy. <laughs> Calling it. Wayne Rooney will coach uh, Newcastle United. I'm here for it. His first coaching job. Um, is that worse than uh, Steve Bruce? <laughs> no, no, nobody is. Oh, man. What was the other one that I saw? Oh, Mesut Ozil's a big Yeah, one. I was just going to say, Ozil, where is he going? He's going to Turkey. Yeah, it does look like he's going to Turkey. He's been 
he's been doing like Arsenal Q and A's and he's been dropping just like, he's been saying everything, but I am going to Fenerbahce. Yeah. <laughs> he's been saying anything. He, I mean, he supported the club as a kid. Uh, if he was going to Turkey, the only club he'd want to play for is Fenerbahce. Uh, if before I retire, there's two countries I want to play in, which is USA and Turkey. I mean, the writing's on the wall. What so. about uh, Ozil saying that he would rather retire than play for Tottenham? <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> and then uh, was it Mourinho clapped back and uh, who told yeah, him Tottenham are interested? <laughs> who, told, who told him we were interested in him? I don't know this guy. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if those professionals like, because like our, Mourinho and Ozil have like a history at, at Real Madrid, a short one, but mm-hmm. they do. And like, if they are pals, like, I just wonder, like they take these public stances against each other, but yeah. they have each other's number. They just text each other like, hey, dude, like what? <laughs> Right. Good one. Why? Like they're just like <laughs> laughing emojis, just sending them at each other. Like, right. <laughs> look at these Trolling idiots writing about. Yeah, this. look at these. Yeah. I heard this hey, podcast, what... Swift Kicks podcast, talking about it. And then uh, Ozil will end up at Tottenham. Like, <laughs> yeah, that'd yeah, be the real joke. Happens. Then it actually happens. <laughs> yeah. It's been pretty. It's been a pretty slow transfer window, to be fair. And I think some of that might be the Brexit stuff, but I also think people are. Uh, taking their time we'll see the real rush for the transfer window uh at the end of the end of the month right yeah and the, i mean the other the other big thing for watch out for newcastle i joke about a new manager and everything watch out for new ownership apparently there's going to be a decision made again we'll call it a resolution this time in a timely manner about our takeover dispute from the saudi private investment fund and if that happens i won't even care what happens like <laughs> as long as we survive the Premier League, we'll be the richest team in the world, and it'll be the greatest thing <laughs> since sliced bread. So, <laughs> does that mean Newcastle United would be a complete like? The, would that be the biggest sale of the transfer? Thing yeah, the yeah. entire yeah, team. Suppose. Yeah, just. Well, sell I think I speak team. for any any Newcastle fan out there in saying I will believe it when I see it. Exactly. There were so many times when I. Yeah, I, I thought it was happening over the summer. I mean, there was like reports in like legitimate newspapers about it, and still didn't happen. Here we are today. So right. I don't know. I don't know. Martin Ashley is the worst business person in uh, the entire Premier League. Just Martin Ashley. Ashley must be Mike Ashley's brother. I don't know about. Him. Yeah, <laughs> you're just bro. slandering his bro. bro. Why are we gonna do that? Why are you gonna fact do check like Ben? <laughs> you're welcome. For the record, that was scripted. They asked me to do that on purpose so we'd have content. You're welcome uh, for your entertainment. Putting Mike Ashley, up. whatever. You still lost to uh, whatever that team's name is. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Sheffield. Sheffield. Yeah. Sheffield United literally wrote you the script of what they were going to do and, and lost yeah. to you. So I guess that would be uh, technically the upset of the last week. What do you think the upset of the coming week will be, Ben? Yeah, did you just say that was the upset of the last week? Yeah, I did. I've been saying that Newcastle won the championship. Giant Slayers, Sheffield. <laughs> Dude, you guys went up against an inform, unbeatable Sheffield. That's right. Come on. Yeah. I think Steve has either gone stoic or frozen. I am looking at the fixtures, and there's some fun <laughs> ones coming up this pre- pre- this next week. On the 17th, Villa play Everton. I think that would be a good game. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at upsets. Uh, I think, I mean, I don't know if this would be considered, I would consider this an upset. I think West Brom could get a result against uh, Wolves. One point or three. I was hoping you weren't going to ask me that. 
Uh, the whole point of this segment. Yeah, I think one point. I think it'd be a draw. I'm going to go ahead and say my boy Danny World Class Wellback is going to lead Brighton to a win <laughs> over Leeds. I think that's uh, a bit of a stretch win there, but I think there's a little bit of potential there too. I think the Leeds have kind of been really weird to watch, right? They, they have like really good results and then really poor results. So I think Brighton are going to pull pull something out there. I'm going after the three points against Leeds there. That might be tough. Brighton play on the 13th against City, and then three days later they play Leeds, a high-running, high-pressing team of Leeds. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, that's goes back to that COVID schedule, but I'm sticking with it. It's locked. It's set in stone. My pick upset of the week. Uh, I'm going to say the Magpies, uh, Newcastle. They're going to beat Arsenal. We went toe to toe with them for uh, basically 115 minutes in the FA Cup, nil nil. Probably should have pulled out a win in the first 90, but I think we got this one. We can we can eke out a win against Arsenal because it's the Newcastle way. We'll lose against the bottom team and then uh, we'll pull out a, a random victory that makes no sense. Away too. We'll see. That's a ballsy take, yeah. Alex. <laughs> <laughs> Going for the W there. Is is Liverpool beating Man United? I think they have more rest. I personally think that they'll pull it out. Yeah, Liverpool are better in better uh, position to have a, a win there, right? But is yeah. that technically an upset? No. No. I think that's I wouldn't uh, say it's an upset. I agree with Steve that Aston Villa Everton is frankly I didn't notice it, but it would be probably the game I would want to watch. Yeah. Uh, yeah but Liverpool Man United, you know, the 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 big title games like they're all there's so much build up for it and everything and then it's a it's a 1-1 draw. Um, right. <laughs> you know, but I think Aston Villa Everton, you know, they both two teams that are going at it. They got something to play for, show off for. So I think that's that's so, one to watch. South Ab- Southampton and Leicester should be a good game too. It is I a agree. good weekend of football. I agree. All right, Ben, where's your uh, where are they now? So the where are they nows of uh, today? Um, we've covered the greats, um, Jack Wiltshire, Danny World Class Welbeck, and uh, whoever we talked about last time. Um, this week. We are going to look into the wonderful world of Alex Song. You guys remember oh, him? Oh, shoot. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Last I heard, we did like West Ham, Barcelona. And then I don't even, I don't even, I have no idea. I have no idea where he's at. So he's from Alex Djibouti, Song, right? Well, I mean, <laughs> just up. <laughs> Holy cow, you weren't even joking. He no, is. He is. Correct. So in like 2012, he went to Barcelona for like 19 million. Yeah. Um, from yep, Arsenal. And he's from uh, Cameroon. Yeah. yeah he, yep. He's from Cameroon. Correct. He's Cameroonian. Uh, he's not Djiboutian? <laughs> no. <laughs> wow. He went yeah. to Barcelona, then to West Ham on loan twice. Ruben Kazan, which is in Russia, correct? It is Russian. It is Russian. Um, and then Scion, which is a, is, a, is, a, is a Swiss team. And then he played for their second team of Scion, it looks like. Scion 2. And now he plays for... The first one burned down. Our turn of Scion. He, he, play, yeah, right. he plays for a team now referred to as... Arta. Arta or currently known as Arta Solar 7 for sponsorship reasons. And they are a football club from Arta, Djibouti. Nice. Did you wow. say he's playing in Djibouti? He's only 33. 
surely he could have gotten a contract somewhere. He went you... for 19 million to, to... Barcelona. Oh, they're gonna in, in 10 years Jeez. when he's in his prime, is now he's into Djibouti stuff. Holy smokes, 33. He could have went to the MLS and gotten a better, whatever. <laughs> Maybe Djibouti was, was just on the bucket list. He's like, man, isn't it always the footy in Djibouti? I heard it's something else. I'm... <laughs> I need to get me down there to Djibouti. You know, swinging your balls around in Djibouti. <laughs> it does look like Song was sacked because of COVID restrictions too. He was uh, collateral for a, a team that couldn't afford oh, no way. contracts in uh, the Swiss League. And then he uh, he took the trip down south uh, below the, around the, the equator belt. Yeah. <laughs> These are – I'm this, looking at the uh, kids show right is brought now. to you by adults. <laughs> yeah. Oh. So, where are they now? Alex Song. Alex Song. He's in Djibouti. What? He's in Djibouti. He's there all along. You just had to look. Yeah. <laughs> that is a crazy one, though, right? Like, can we just take a moment to acknowledge? Yeah. He in the absolute falling down the stairs of a career, like hide his career at Barcelona, wound up in Djibouti. What a story. Uh, you know. And again, that's another where are they now uh, with the world-class players like Alex Song. we got to come up with something for these guys. I'm going to make a wall of where are they now. All right, so let's clean it up now. Uh, we're moving away from Djibouti, getting into the clean stuff again. Ben, we've got an entire podcast without talking about Zlatan. Um, I want to know how sad it makes you that Cristiano Ronaldo has now equaled the world goal-scoring record and not Zlatan. I mean, Cristiano Ronaldo is low-key the best player of all time. Uh, it's just, you know, we talked earlier about the mental, physical, technical, and tactical components of what makes a great football player. Um, if you were to grade all of those out of 10, Ronaldo is like a 10 in all of them. Uh, Ibra's, you know, a solid 9 in all of them, except for the mental. He's a 15. I feel um, this, is, it's this, really- is, this is pure blasphemy from Ben Green to be talking yeah. about Ibra and anything other not than being calling him the greatest the of all time. Yeah. No, I think what I love about Zlatan is the uh, aroma that follows him. He's got an aura, not an aroma. aroma. I was going to say, you, you, you it smell smells like shit. He's been into Djibouti. Oh. <laughs> I think it's important to recognize, though, like Ronaldo is that good for, for the record. I don't want to do, do any disservice here. I think Cristiano Ronaldo is the best of our lifetime. I think he's just continuing to prove it by putting up stats and he's still got a couple years ahead of him. I think it'll be exciting to see where he finishes his career uh, with uh, goals scored. I think the real question is where's Messi in that conversation? Oh, he's not. So back to Ronaldo running away with it. Spicy. Yeah. You're welcome. It's that time of the night. But no, I, I think it's a testament to how great of a player Cristiano Ronaldo is. And he's honestly still in good form. You know what I mean? Like he doesn't look like an aging player when you see him play. He's uh, still scoring goals. He's playing at the highest level and he's he's doing well. Steve, any input? Zlatan is defying everything that we know about how footballers should be acting at his age. But but Ronaldo breaking breaking the uh, that record, it, I don't think is a surprise to really anybody. Ronaldo is 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 head and shoulders above everybody in that regard. Maybe there could be an argument for Messi. Messi scoring the most goals for a club, um, taking over Pele's record. I mean, that's no small feat, but that's a whole another 
topic that we could go into uh, debate with Ronaldo Messi, but uh, I, I don't think it's much of a surprise on my end. Uh, Ronaldo getting that squeaking that over Zlatan. No, it's it's awesome to see, and I do think Zlatan, if he wanted to be, would be number one, but he's not by choice. Yeah, yeah. humble. Yeah, S- <laughs> stay uh, stay grounded. Yeah. Um, and on that message, Ben, take it away. If you've made it this far, congratulations. You've passed the first test. The second test is we need you to leave us five stars, not four, not three, not two. You can leave us one, but it makes you a jerk. Leave us five stars and a comment in in the in the box, whatever it says. You can put hashtag cancel Steve, fact check Ben, uh, shave Alex. I don't know what you want to do, but <laughs> either way, no matter what it is, five stars. You understand? And positive comments. We we all leave love here. We covered great things today. Thank you all for listening. Um, go Sheffield United, Newcastle nil. So, <laughs> cheers. Ricky Ricardo. Ricardo. Ricky Ricardo.